Welcome to another episode of The Shredder Show, and today it's a pleasure to have a uh, superstar guest from the UK, Mr. Joe Brightman, one of the <laughs> latest U- uh, UK up-and-coming IFBB pros. So thank you very much for jumping on the podcast today, Joe. No worries, man. Good to chat to you. So you're someone I've watched from the outside for a while, and I had the pleasure of obviously training with you in Dubai, and we've spoken a lot about Dubai already this morning. Um, I think the way you've come up through the ranks and also the way you've transitioned professionally is quite interesting because it's similar to myself i actually had this conversation with uh tm cycles tom i mentioned to you earlier who's on the previous podcast about how like when you believe in yourself you can like leave your full-time job and then currently go and like really push for the the dreams of what you want to achieve um what what is your end goal for you i think uh, it's it's weird i I almost think this every day so funny story about tom actually so about was this would have been probably about 18 months ago, maybe just over two years ago, just after I won that, won my pro cup, we went for dinner. Um, and the the money he was earning from my perspective, I was like, oh, you, you must feel like you've made it. Like, And then, like, you know, it's that part of the end of the rainbow. And then, like, you suddenly get it. I guess, for me, at one point, the goal was, like, to earn a certain amount of money. I, I never even, I didn't even dislike my job. I didn't even, there wasn't anything that I particularly disliked about my life. It's just that I knew I wanted to do something different. Um, and, now I'm here, I realise, like, that was such the right thing to do. I guess for me, like, the end goal is, like, financial freedom and to be able to provide for a family um, and make sure they don't ever have to worry. Because I think I've been pretty lucky with, with my upbringing, but there's been times where, like, at university, for example, you know, when you're, you get to the end of the month and you're, like, you've got a pound left. Like, that's, like just, that's just a horrible feeling. Or even, even there's a week left in the month and you've got a pound in your bank account. That's something that I hated and never wanted again. Um, so that's like a, a kind of financial end goal in terms of in terms of everything else. I'm still really working out right now. So obviously, just finished my first pro season. Not entirely sure where I go next. Um, I think the path for me up to this point was always very clear. It was like I'm gonna do my first show. Oh, I'm gonna try and win my first show. I'm gonna try and get a pro card. I'm gonna try and I'm gonna compete as a pro. And then now I'm a bit like, what what's next? Um, it was all very clear up to this point. So. With regards to that, I'm not sure. I just want to focus on, on, on business right now. I would love to have like a team of coaches underneath me that, that provide a, a service that we're all proud of. Um, at the moment, obviously, just got the one, but that was kind of a, the first step to see how that would go. Um, but yeah, that end goal, like I said, kind of you'd like to do whenever you'd want um, and the ability to look after a family. That's pretty, pretty sick. It's interesting you pulled out the family card because I think what's interesting about that is not necessarily a lot of people in the fitness industry ever bring that up um which I don't know if you've noticed not many people talk about that sort of thing yeah I guess I guess for a lot of people like they I feel like everyone's so absorbed by what they're doing like for, for me for example I see some people who like do a bodybuilding prep but they also have, they also have like kids like, I could never do that there's just they do those two things are just not going together with me because I don't like who I am on prep and I'd hate to put that on like kids especially um so yeah it does it does seem a bit of a it does seem a bit taboo I, I don't think they go hand in hand so much talk a little bit more about that you don't know who you are in prep what, what do you think drives that i think that what i've realized over the last this last prep in particular is that for prep for me versus prep for other people like i don't enjoy prep um you know some people they almost thrive in it and they like is something they they really love that daily whatever they want to call it daily grind or or just digging but there there comes a point yeah like yeah i i I 
I think I put up with it for that end result. Um, and I, I recognize the, the, the benefits it has for my profile, for my business, for things like that. But there comes a point where I think there's a bit of a, you almost, at, you're at loggerheads, like prep and life come at loggerheads. You don't become overly nice. I love food, mate. So if I can't eat food that I want, like that pisses me off. Um, I get miserable. Yeah. I get miserable. Obviously I get very tired, lethargic. Um, and I feel, for me, like I've always said this, and this is something that I've been asked about on podcasts before. Like for me, bodybuilding isn't, isn't like my whole life. So I, I recognise there's a huge amount of other things in life that I want to be doing. And if you're prepping, most of those things you kind of stopped really because like I'm not that person that's going to like prep a Tupperware and go out for dinner with people. I'd rather just not put myself in that situation and you know sit at home and eat my meals or whatever. Um, I think as well, in order to have like a successful prep. You have to be in control of everything. Um, and whether you know, that can be all right if you're on your own, but if you are sharing your life with someone or whatever, you then have to almost control theirs as well. So let's say they want to go to a family event and I'm a bit like, well, I'm going to be away from the gym. I'm going to be away from the kitchen. I'm going to be away from like my cardio. Like, can I really manage that even for two days? So I just think there's a lot of, it takes away from a lot. Um, and I think I've, I've had a conversation with a few people as well recently about, like is how is it worth it um so i had a conversation i think for me like it actually absolutely has been worth it in terms of i've needed to do this to get to the level i'm at and then therefore to to almost grow a business from it that's been my route which i know is a lot of people's routes but probably i think maybe when they compete and they're like oh i'm 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 putting a lot into this process i'm not getting a lot out of it um so for example people that compete at like an amateur level if they're only ever going to get to that level like i think they'll look back and be like oh was was that all worth it um you know am i gonna lie, lie on my deathbed and, and wish that i'd had that extra chicken and rice meal or would i rather been with the people that i love in a hot country you know enjoying myself that is it's, it's those sort of things i think that, that come to mind okay, it's interesting because that's exactly what uh, i brought up with thomas i i see people sometimes and i feel like they're lost in that like hamster wheel of like competing and just for the sake of it almost like they have to if that makes sense mate 100 percent I think it's something that I've, this isn't so, this is kind of fresh, this is like fresh content. This is probably something I'm not even spoken about openly on, on any platform yet, but something I'm battling with at the moment is like I've always been Joe Brightman, the, the men's physique competitor. So if I am to step away from that, it's like, oh, who am I now? So there's like, it's like, yeah, like who's like that identity crisis? And I think that's quite concerning. And I bet a lot of people probably don't have the mentality to step back a bit and think, hang on these people don't invest in your business or like you or follow you for the fact that you step up on stage once every two years. Like they don't care. Um, it's who you are and part of that journey. So even like yesterday, I don't know if you saw that post about just doing a bit more functional training, like yeah, the response to that was crazy. Like people were like, Oh, like I was, I was thinking, well, this post is now doing really well. So people were just interested in the journey. You know, if, you, if you, they might've bought into Joe Brightman, the competitor, but they, I don't think that, that means they're going to go away just because, you know, you maybe aren't going to compete or you stop competing. Like when I think about it, I often don't compete for two years at a time. People don't go away. They're still interested in the process. So yeah, it's a weird one. It's, if you look at some of the OGs in the fitness games, I'm, I'm a big bit of a Steve Cook fanboy. And you look at, I don't know, uh, Jason Poston. Like, so both of those, for example, have obviously competed for years, yet they're still like killing it in the game, if you know what I mean. Yeah, 100%. I, I think Steve Cook is like a really good example. You, know, you remember Sean Stafford as well? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, these are like, Sean Stafford, like quite a family man. 
um, as well. Like it's 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 about looking at those and seeing how they they've transitioned from like almost competing to a new life. Like Steve Cook is, I think, is a fantastic example. Like obviously, his life is a bit of a pipe dream, but if you could choose a life like that, would be a pretty good one. I think from from where I'm standing anyway, as someone who's gone from like competing to then now, he just seems to travel has all these various businesses and you know that looks like a that looks like a good life yeah it looks like looks like he's a ball and to be fair he comes across like genuinely a nice guy as well to be fair yeah 100 percent. so yeah i think yeah i think that hamster wheel is so true you get you, you as a competitor you do get stuck in that bolt cut cycle like oh my prep's over now now it's time to get ready for an off season um and i think what's what sort of tweaked in my mind this time is i've got no excitement or intention of like moving into an off season now like I don't, I've got I don't want to do that um so for me it's I'm kind of floating at the moment I'm a bit in limbo thinking well if I don't go into an off season what do I go into um which is the weird one uh it's going into an interesting topic something you brought up um the functional fitness thing so that's actually something I've been pushing a lot recently myself in terms of like the last six months and like I had a scary moment like two days ago when I realized I bought a new pair of Nike Metcons and also bought a Whoop band. I was like, I'm coming a fucking CrossFitter. But, oh, um, <laughs> but um, tell us a little bit about how you've come to that sort of thought process and what you're planning to do from a practical point of view of implementing that. that right, this is an interesting one because it's so fresh. But I always have this like post, I always have this like post prep, like, uh, I want to stop feeling like, you know, slow and, and crap and cranky. Um, part of my problem that I've got to manage is that actually CrossFit as a whole would probably not be very good for me because of like injuries. Like my, my lower back's never been good. So squatting and deadlifting has never really been part of my program. So if I want, if I suddenly turn up to a shed or a box and start, and they were like, you need to do 20 clean jerks, I might be like, oh, I'm not sure about that. Like even for me, running is a bit of a challenge. Um, but that I'm kind of hoping is something that maybe remedy itself if I do get a bit more involved in, in that sort of stuff. So right now, I'm not actually sure. At the moment, I still really enjoy bodybuilding training. Um, it, you know, sort of progressive overload and, and, and a, a program that is uh, built around where I need to improve is still something that I like to do. Um, but I just think I want to do a bit more of that, mainly for like conditioning um, in terms of feeling good, but also like obviously body comp. As a, if I'm not going to move into an off season, I want to kind of stay at a body comp that I'm happy with, um, which might mean like downsizing a little bit, which I'm not really too worried about. Um, which again, sort of is, is, is showing flags in my mind. So I'm thinking, well, if that's what you're thinking, do you really want to compete again? Um, but yeah, in terms of programming, I honestly at the moment have no idea. I just, I'm almost the last two days has been trying to find out, just trying to find a couple of workouts to do. So at the moment, it will just slot in alongside my, my hypertrophy based training and hopefully sort of increase my like my, my, my BMR so I can eat more because that's what I like doing so um, yeah I'm not sure what the long term plan is can't imagine you'll ever see me competing in a CrossFit competition um, or even doing like sneak clean and jerks but for now I just want to utilise almost that like high intensity conditioning style workouts as opposed to slogging out on a treadmill or, or like a uh, an elliptical for 40 minutes I'd rather do like 20 minutes of intense work that gets me moving a bit more um, makes me feel a bit more alive and probably gets my heart rate going a bit quicker uh, something I'm a big fan of, I'm not sure if you used one is uh, a salt bike yeah so that's that's one of the things like that doesn't cause me any discomfort whatsoever right. so an assault bike is kind of what I was like that's what I, so I started this week I did a I did um I did a workout that was like a, a thousand kilometer no a, a kilometer row a mile bike 
and then like a 300 meter run and then like three rounds of that and then it gets less and less as you go through the rounds so I did that this week and that was like obviously absolutely knackered me but kind of that was the sort of thing that I enjoyed um maybe if I move potentially more I'll need to get like some some sort of PT or whatever or someone who's actually an expert in it to, to take me through it but potentially that there'll definitely be a potential for me to move more into like a hybrid style training where I did like two or three weight sessions a week and then two or three actual not maybe not crossfit but you know bridging more into bridging more into it yeah the conditioning style stuff yeah interesting the lockdown last year a guy who works for me dan he's probably listened to this he lives on the same road as me he's got an insane home gym like literally everything like uh cable stack power rack loads of bars like and we're basically doing crossfit workouts and stuff and to be fair not to give him too much credit but it was actually pretty good fun and like there's a lot of strength training based stuff to it but um it's different very very different yeah 100 i think for me it would be the, the, the ideal probably thinking about it would be some kind of it would be like a lot of training like i'd probably train maybe like nine or ten times a week in terms of like there would be a couple of sessions like on a few days it'd be a couple of sessions maybe it'd be like if i have two lower body days i'll just do the tra- strength training and then on two other days if they're upper body i'll do upper body and then like a cardio workout in the morning or something like that but yeah yet to yet to be worked out we'll, we'll see you're you still training Crayford? No, so I'm at my I'm at my parents now. Um, so there's a little facility near Cambridge that I train at for weights, and then like the the one leisure is called, which is like the, just the council run gym has, as you can imagine, quite a lot of decent functional stuff in it because it's popular these days. So that's where I'm at. Uh, taking this to a different topic, you're you've already said you have a similar passion in life as me, which is in terms of food. Um, I guess you start to smile already. So, what uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about how that, how you maybe juggle that with dieting in terms of gaining size or losing body fat, and how you structure that? I know you're you're a big fan of my fitness pal. Yeah, very much like very much flexible. Um, I think throughout the like in off season, this would be for me and any clients who are trying to obviously increase muscle mass. Like I'm very much like use your calorie and macro targets, like go away and hit them. Some people very much like to eat the same thing every day. I'm not like that at all. And I think you'll probably relate to this as well in terms of like when you've got when you've got a partner, like you want to eat with them in the evening and stuff. Like you don't want to sit with like, you know, eating chicken and rice out of the tub. Like I've never been never been about that. Um so in yeah, in like an improvement phase, for example, it's very flexible. Like, yeah, make sure maybe seventy eight percent of your food is from good like whole sources, but outside from that, like it kind of include what you'd like and definitely be including some like free meals whatever like throughout the week because at the end of the day the goal here is not to lose weight we're not trying to lose weight so as long as you're hitting protein hitting micronutrients then really like I'm, I'm not too worried what what i'm eating um in terms of like prep it's a case of i i almost think sometimes this is what and this is what i've identified as something that i don't want to slip into again is going from when you're a bodybuilder i think you go from a, a like six months or a year of building up to a point where you hate food because you see so much of it and you just get really lazy it get you know it's things like it's things like those things that you pick up from waitress that you just chuck in the oven like chicken breast that you chuck in the oven and a packet of uncle ben's rice and then when prep comes around because you have to be a bit more imaginative you have to pull back like suddenly it's like all oh, right i'm like a chef now so um yeah and then like i said so when prep comes around i'm very much more like imaginative a lot more creative with my food um using a lot more like I guess like herbs and spices and stuff rather than the typical packet mixes that have got 
carbs in because obviously you're trying to you're trying to save trying to save calories here and there and, and in the end that food ends up becoming really tasty um i think funny that's something that me and me and tom spoke about was like i would more than happily eat these meals in you know a different phase where i wasn't dieting but just with a bit more carbs in and they could be really tasty meals so yeah that's kind of that's kind of how i run it in terms of the use of my fitness pal complete staple when it comes to off season when it comes to prep it's a staple as well but for different reasons so more for tracking things like obviously you have to be absolutely on point but i'm largely eating the same thing each day until until my food changes but we have to have an eye on things like sodium and potassium um and make sure we're balancing them out so that we're not either holding loads of water or waking up through the night to go to the toilet all the time you know and things that have to be a lot more on point do you um do you find you almost struggle mentally a little bit from that like famine to feast mentality almost like the switch over from it yeah it's, uh, it's it's awful for me that like post prep phase like without that like solid goal of i have to step on stage in a, in a few weeks like i'm very much i very much get to a point where i'm like why am i stopping my, why am i why am i going to stop myself eating i've just done that for six months i really don't want to do that again um so i i definitely struggle from oh well i, I go from yeah from famine to feast yeah very very tricky um i think going from going from off season to a prep is a lot easier um at least in the in the in the initial phase because like i said you ideally you've gotten to a point where you just hate the sight of food so that um, that drop in calories and issues is almost like a bit of a relief you're like oh i don't have to eat every two hours on the hour to make sure i'm getting my food in um so there's, there's benefits to both sides and i think it's about like combining them to get to some kind of healthy healthy medium do you think um women suffer more with this I have to be honest, I don't work with like many women. So from, I would say from the outset, yeah. But I would also say that I think women are just a lot more honest with it. And it's probably a lot more accepted that women struggle with it more. I bet there's loads of blokes that are struggling with it, but they just don't talk about it. Um, and when I was speaking, when I was spoken about it recently, I've actually had all these people reach out to me to be like, oh, why do blokes never talk about this? Um, like it happens to a lot more people than you expect. And I think there's this very damaging, like, this is very, like bodybuilding particularly male bodybuilding has this very damaging like all or nothing mentality or all or nothing narrative whereby like you know if you don't eat i know i keep using the same thing but if you don't eat chicken and rice or cream of rice all day and you know greens like you're not you're not good enough or you're not doing everything you can um so and i think that i think that drives a really dangerous narrative because I've, i even then compare myself to these people who do seem to be on it 100 percent of the time and A, maybe they are. Um, and that's what I spoke about earlier on. Like they just love it. They absolutely they live to bodybuild and that's fine for them. But for me, I don't. Like I I, I would say I bodybuild to live rather than the other way around. It's kind of given me a life that I, I kind of want. Um, and then also when you then start comparing yourself to those people, you start self-doubting yourself. You're like, oh, like why can't I eat the same thing every day for six months? Does that mean does that make me less of a bodybuilder? Does that make me you know, less worthy of these results. Um, but yeah, to the original question, I think it's just spoken about a lot less in the male sector. I think that's a lot to do with uh, comparison syndrome as well, maybe in, from social media. And like, this is what I think one of the issues is that people are always looking what other people are doing and they might not be showing a true reflection of what's actually going on. So they might, they might show the three yeah. chicken and rice meals a day, but they're not showing the dominoes, whatever crap they also have. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. That's what I mean. I think in terms of people, like, how many people have cheated on their diet in a prep, but have just not spoken about it? 
um, versus how many people haven't spoken about it and also haven't done it. I think there's I think there's a there's a fine line there, like you say. Social media is a highlight reel. It takes a lot, I think, for people to talk about their their downfalls and their and their um, and their flaws. And I think some people probably just wouldn't do it. Um, so I think you're all right. I think you 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 compare you comparing yourself to something that's fictitious and not real. Yeah, I think again that's one of those things where I and I I just spoke to Tom about this as well. It's about how I I am concerned about how social media is almost like warping people's brains if you think about like young kids and stuff who are like i don't know uh like if, I, I don't know how old are you joe 27 okay so you're a bit younger than me so when i like instagram stuff like that start coming out i think it's like, I don't know, like 18 maybe and i can't imagine what it'd be like if you were like seven or eight years old now and i like, have an instagram and social media and all that other stuff particularly with like some of the negativity and crap evolved on there yeah social media is horrendous i think like obviously it's one of them things. It's like the way of the world. It's brought a lot of positivity, but also I think very damaging for for a lot of people. Have you ever had any negative effects from social media or anything in that aspect? I I don't think Does so. I think I've done. Way? I've done. I think I've done quite well over the years to not be like the subject of like hate, which is quite good. I try. I try not to be. I try not to be someone who. I don't know. I'm very honest. And I try to remain like humble in in like the social media sphere. But I think characters like Tom completely polarize people. So I think he's like obviously he's one of the ones who will he put his neck out on the line, and it will you know for a lot it doesn't it does him a lot of good, but also probably some harm from from the comments that you get. I'll tell you what I have found actually since being more active on YouTube, people seem to have a lot more to say on YouTube than they do on Instagram, which I find weird. I think it's because I don't know. You get you get profiles on Instagram that don't have a profile picture and don't have anything, but there seems to be a lot more of it on YouTube. I don't know if it's because you're because you're almost giving more information away. You almost or you're opening yourself up more. You you you, you know you get that back in kind of equal and opposite measure. But I found um, people have a lot to say on YouTube. They feel they they really feel like they have a right to say it. The keyboard warriors. Do you do you enjoy yeah. making YouTube content? I wish I enjoyed making it more um i find it quite a, i find it quite a challenge and i've battled with this like time and time again i've tried to do all sorts to get myself to be better at it um but i think some people would almost I, I wonder if again if some people just like bridgman for example i find that like he's like a, just a natural at, at doing it but i think that again that comes with practice like he's done it for years now so i, I can't expect to be able to just run it off the cuff at like that but i enjoy like talking to the camera and stuff like that um i just often I think sometimes this. I think this probably cripples a lot of people. Actually, um, it's just like I'm wondering, like, is this is this valuable content, or am I just pumping something out for the sake of it? And I don't. I'm not one who's gonna, you know, talk for the sake of talking. I'd rather be providing something. So if I don't think it's good enough, then I will be like, mm, this, that's that's the waste of waste of time. And obviously, to make a YouTube video, a lot of time has to go into it if you want it to be any good. So. Um, yeah, I think there's challenges around that. But then again, I think there's like a ladder with that as well because I have clients that are like, Joe, how do I um, how do I start an Instagram? And I'm like, oh, you just start just posting. Um, and it seems so simple when you say it, but obviously it's not when you're in that position. So that thing is when you, when you know how, you know how, do you know what I mean? Like everything's easy mm. when you know the answer, um, which comes to like life experience and like time in the game of whatever you're doing. Um, 100%. In terms of from uh, a training and physique side of things, like obviously I imagine you probably have a lot of uh, younger guys who look up to you, want to get into competing and things like that. What, what would your advice be to them in terms of a starting point, in terms of making the most progress they can and, and going about it the right way? 
So I think one thing that I'd never had to battle with that I think people battle with more and more nowadays, particularly, and I think it's because of social media or, or social media has a large impact on it, is that need or that want to be like constant, like constantly lean. So I think I have a lot of young guys, and I and I, I drilled it. I drilled this into them, like stop getting lean for the sake of getting lean. When if you're in your like 18, 19, 20, 21, you're at the peak of your like natural testosterone production. You've got a big opportunity here to like pat down some muscle tissue. Um, so spend those years doing it. And almost like, so for me, when I was from like 18 to 21, two, three years, I literally went in, like, I was almost on like pound of bulk mode. And that was fine. I enjoyed that. I, I actively chased down, seeing the scale get, you know, the, the scale weight go up, I actually chased down getting bigger, feeling bigger, lifting more weight and, and enjoying all the things that come with being in a surplus. So I think number one is like, you know, really utilize those years and those like almost like those newbie gain years to to, to reap, reap the rewards of it. Number two, we've spoken about this before, I'm very hot on like execution and intensity and actually harnessing that. I think one the, probably the biggest thing that I've learned from coaching loads of young guys is that so many people just don't don't understand true intensity. Um, and I think that is something that they can learn from top bodybuilders and, and these all or nothing guys because, and myself, I like, there's, there's no way I'm going into the gym and leaving anything on the table. Um, like finding true intensity and finding true intensity very early, I think is what led me to build the physique that I've built. And it was what will help other people because, you know, I get them to send me their, their exercise analysis and their videos. I'm like, you've got like two or three reps left in there. Like you, you've left so much in, and in, in, and they'll do that week after week after week on the same weight. And it's like that's not you're not you're not training, you're exercising. You might as well go and do cardio because you're not you're not asking your body to adapt to anything. Um, and then what was the first thing I'd say? And then this this question frustrates me the most. So when you get people, when I get people that are, I can see a well, I can see a few things. I can see they're young. I can see they haven't actually harnessed what I've just spoken about in terms of like intense training and understanding of all the basics first. And then they're asking me about what, what steroid cycle they should take. And I like, it almost, it almost winds me up when I received the message. I'm like, you haven't even earned the right to be asking this question yet. Um, and I would say to anyone, unless you're going to plan to either a compete at a high level or B you think using anabolics is going to really change your life um you know quality of life long term just don't even go near them because it's not even worth the potential health implications the stuff that you have to learn um so they would be probably the free thing i think something you said there was awesome which i've never heard it explained like that is uh, uh what was it you're not exercise you're not training you're exercising i've never heard that yeah before. yeah yeah i think i think there's a difference in there when you're trying to if you, if you class yourself as a bodybuilder somebody who's trying to physique like develop their physique is a case of you you are training towards a goal i think other people are just going through the motions which i see is that's exercise you know rep counting yeah literally like you know i, I, I get videos of people just pumping out reps in the leg press and it's like there's like you know even it's not even challenging you the um this is something that really frustrates me i try and explain it to people the best way is that when you like you can see it when someone just stops is like the last few reps the rep speed should not be the same as the first few reps and if they are yeah. you've got way 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 more left in the tank yeah it's when i get a video of someone and that last rep just flew up and they just hop up off the leg press and i'm like nah you should be like like when i when i finish a leg press set I'm, i can i can barely move that last rep when i put it down i'm like gasping for air my hands are going in my face or up above my head and i'm like i'm there for a good few 
sometimes even like a minute recovering from that set before I'm even on my feet. So there's, there's a real lack of understanding of intensity, I think. What would you put that down to? Do you think that's just because of the information that's put out or just people just generally don't want to push themselves? I... I think it's I think it's probably a, it's probably a mixture of the two. Like when I think back, it's like I've always trained like this. I can't remember a time when I ever put the bar down before I couldn't do another one. So for me, it just seemed obvious. And then obviously, I think one I think one thing that does help is um, when I was when I was younger, I used to do like a lot of I did one I can't remember the guy's name now, but it was a bro sprint program. But I put a lot of my progress down to it back then. And it was because a lot of the, either the first sets or even all the sets were like four to six rep sets. So obviously in your head, you're thinking, oh, this needs to be heavy then because I need to, I need to, I need to only be able to do six reps so that then I can increase the weight next time. So I think, um, yeah, it's probably a case of people don't want to push themselves or they don't know they need to. Um, I'm not sure. It's a tricky one. I think some people just don't have it. I think a lot of it's a mindset thing. I think one of the things that people have a, an eye-opening experience sometimes in terms of like the different levels of training and training intensity and I'll ask you a question have you ever trained with anyone anything like fuck me like this is like another level um i would probably say like probably the most like comprehensive person that i train with, but i think we're on the same level is like josh so when i train with josh I'm like, i can i can see this is like true intensity um I don't think I've ever trained with anyone who's made me go like, oh, I don't train hard. Um, I don't think. Because I, when I was, that program that I was speaking about that I did when I was younger, when I did that training, it was with someone that was much bigger than me and much stronger than me. So I tried to match that intensity, if that makes sense. But it wasn't like, it wasn't an eye-opening moment for me. It was just a, because it was very early on. I was like, oh, this is how we train, you know? Um, but I would say, yeah, Josh is a, Josh is a very intense trainer. And I think we we would map, like we we bounce off each other when it comes to training, which is good. Um, but yeah, I've, I've never trained with like an open class bodybuilder or like a, a like a pro at that level. I often think I've trained with people, and I'm like, your intensity needs to come up to my level. <laughs> yeah, I um, the only experience I've had of someone else like fuck me was I trained with James Hollingshead like a couple of times, maybe like three four years ago. Yeah, and, like, I remember we did like squats one day. It's me, him, this other guy called Paul Hubbard. I think we ended up only doing like one working set each. Paul's out being like sick in the car park afterwards, you know, and it's like, it was bad. Like, I can't remember, yeah, just Tom, stupid, like 260, or, like for like 10 reps or something dumb, but yeah, it was impressive. Yeah, Tom, Tom's trained with him before and spoke to me about like, it, it was a real eye opener for him. But I, like I said, I'm not, I'm not trained with anyone at, at that level. So I, I probably would, because I, I don't doubt that I'm not at the, the, the high, you know, the, the absolute top level of intensity. I can imagine training with Kuba or training with, Hollingshead or you know another open class because I do think it's another level to be unlocked but um to this point I think I would say my intensity is pretty good what would you say is a practical tip for someone at home to try and uh improve their intensity of their workouts I think what, what you probably spoke about is like film your film your sets and take a look at that last couple reps are you actually struggling or did that weight fly up because even I've done it sometimes where I think my form's slipping and I've gone back and I've reviewed a video and I'm like, oh, it's actually fine now. Okay, continued. Like, particularly on like a, um, I'm very conscious, like a single arm dumbbell row. Am I getting enough range of motion? I'm actually getting my elbow back in line with my torso. And almost you feel like you're not, but you look at the video back and you're like, oh, I probably actually could have done, you know, a couple more in there. So 
filming your sets is a very good way. Filming your sets and sending it to someone who's going to give you an honest opinion of how hard your training is good. And then I'd honestly say like content, like consume content from the right type of people because unfortunately there's a lot of very good bodybuilders. I say I say bodybuilders. I'm, I'm encompassing everyone in that, like men's physique in particular, who train like shit, um, but obviously have incredible physiques. You know, there's 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 many many people at the top of the game doing four sets of eight to twelve on a lightweight, but they look incredible, and that's obviously down to genetics. Um, but don't be kind of fooled. Like we can't all get away with that sort of thing. That um, it's one of the things I think every single day. So I see. Uh, a lot of people like that and they just do super high volume throw stuff around almost just get a pump and then walk in and walk out and then they're done and i think it's difficult for sometimes to try and explain to people that yes that obviously works however like it will work for people who are super genetically gifted and just because something works doesn't mean there isn't a better way or a quicker way for you to progress yeah absolutely like i i, I look at these guys and i'm like i wonder what would happen if you trained like properly um but maybe they wouldn't respond. That's that's the other thing, isn't it? Like there is there is there is an aspect of biological inter individuality within bodybuilding. Perhaps something that something that works for one person may not work for like it's not there isn't just one rule for everyone. Um, but I've, what you said there is interesting. I think that's something I've always thought. Like it all works. It's about working out like what's actually the best way of it, of it working. I also think it's about like what do you enjoy as well. Like if you enjoy. I don't know, if you hate training super heavy, then probably maybe it's for a reason. Like maybe you haven't got the joint tissue to take it or you just don't have the mindset for that. So then maybe more volume is more appropriate for you. Yeah, 100%. I agree do, with that. Do you have clients come to you with that in some respect? Sometimes you don't want to train maybe doing heavier stuff and they want to do a lot more volume? I think no, because a lot of the, I think a lot, a lot of the clients that come to me have seen how I train and they like how I train and they think we're in line. So then they're like, oh, that's a good coach for me. Um, yeah, I would say that because I think I've, I'd say it's rare that you probably get a client come to you who, know, who knows nothing about you or your your training style. So no, most of them they're sort of already signed up to it. Some of them don't know. Um, some of them like, I guess, are almost indifferent about it, and then it's just like probably to, to some people it's just another another style of training. But no one really comes to me and they're like, oh, can I have this or can I have that? Largely, they know what they're getting themselves in for. Do you find with some clients you sometimes have to push back on them when they they say they want certain things and you have to try and guide them the right way? Because sometimes people almost want to coach themselves, even if they have a coach, and it's difficult to sometimes politely like direct them in the right way, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. There's always going to be like, I think there's always going to be people who are going to come with a certain opinion or, oh, I've seen someone doing this, shouldn't I do this? And then yeah, that, that that is like, in a word, that is coaching, I think, isn't it? It's like coaching someone's coaching someone like what they're doing but also helping them understand why they're doing what they're doing i think that's a, that's a big one um it's kind of help like explain to people what they're doing and why um rather than just sort of now nah, here you go and it's my way or the highway like that's that's not coaching that's like a dictatorship for me um so yeah that's key i think well um and in terms of your development as, as a coach and you know, from your training point of view who've been the main influencers in you and your your knowledge base and how that's progressed obviously you worked with callum recently you're still working with him yeah, still working with Cal. Cal's probably been, well, Cal's undoubtedly been like my biggest influence in terms of coaching. Um, and then his brand as a whole, so like the muscle mentors is, is probably where I'd get my, that's probably where most of my knowledge comes from. Probably, it's probably like 90%. You know, I'd say now my knowledge, when I started coaching, it was like all self-taught. Um, 
it was it was all it was all from just experience and, and knowledge that I'd learned myself and then as time's gone on and I've, once I realized it's probably good for me to get a coach and um also the fact that like, I went on their courses and seminars I would say that they that brand as a whole and then Callum as an individual probably been the most influential for me um as a coach something you said there was interesting is obviously you've been a lot of courses you've uh, obviously kept you playing hand coach you like a lot of people are afraid to almost invest in themselves and I think that's one of the big uh, bottlenecks for people like getting progress is that they don't understand that education and information having the right knowledge is what's going to get them results not like some jazzy new supplement um, what would your advice be to anyone like that I think that's an interesting one because I um before I, I said I was like self-taught for a long time and I almost it, it, I found it really hard to let go of that because I was always in control of everything. And I was like, oh, what if this person doesn't quite know? And then when you let go, you you, you learn a lot. Um, and obviously, they'll be like, you said, I think probably what you said at the start or, or earlier on as well, you, you don't know what you don't know. Um, and if you don't try, like, it, there's no harm in paying a coach for like, I mean, I, I wouldn't recommend it, but let's say it's a really bad coach. Even if you're paying for four weeks and you didn't learn anything, well, you can just stop. Um, you know, and you probably would have learned something even if it wasn't as much as you thought. If anything, you've learned what you don't want, um, which is, might be a good lesson. So, yeah, I think taking the leap in terms of like investing is, is, always, is always a good shout. But I would recommend that if you are going to invest in someone that you, you probably touched on what I said earlier, like invest some time in their free services first, like in terms of like go through their Instagram, see what type of content they're putting out. I was talking about this a lot before, like, I see some of the top coaches now. I've not seen one bit of like valuable content on their page in months. It's all like motivational quotes and like, you know, shit about that. And it's like, well, why don't you see if they're putting out any valuable content before you, are they explaining what they're doing? Do they sound like they know what they're talking about? Are they open about their approach? Like, you know, find out a bit more about them in their free content space before you start investing money into them. Um, but once you've done that, like you should feel quite confident that you're investing into the right person, I think. 100%. I think it's one of those things, people buy people. That's the big thing. And like, I think the biggest thing is that you either, you either win or you learn. Like you'll either get the results you won't or you'll learn something, as you said. I think it's a big, a big, big take-home point. Um, yeah. To start to wrap things up then, Joe, what's, uh, what's the future hold for you? I know obviously you said that you're a bit open-minded in terms of next year and plans, but... You got anything else planned for the rest of the year or any other projects? Big big bits for me are like imminently um, like releasing the first bit of clothing that I've done, which I'm kind of in equal amounts excited and nervous about because clothing's always been something. It's not like I'm dipping my toe in it. Kind of is merch if you like, but it's a lot more than that. It's not just like it's not just things that I expect clients to wear. Like I'm hoping that people buy into it because it, I've taken influences from brands that I love. Um, so that's kind of one thing. That should be the next one. Well, I'm hoping that'll be this month. So I posted a video yesterday of like all the embroidery being yeah, done. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that will be the next couple of weeks. I need to like organize a shoot again, taking influences from brands that I'm interested in. Um, and then, as, as I said on the YouTube video last night, so talking about, I've now got clients that are competing. So there's obviously quite a few shows in the, in the back end of the year. So I'm just switching my focus to those. Each year I have more and more people that want to step on stage, which is great. So obviously that gives you those like shocking transformations, which I think are always good for business. Um, so I've got a guy doing a photo shoot in a couple of weeks. I've got, in fact, I've got two guys doing photo shoots this month and then I've got four or five guys competing. At, and, and the cool thing is it's at higher level competitions as well now. So obviously we're looking at 
like two rows PCA. Um, so getting those guys on stage would be a focus for me. I think, yeah, this, the, the rest of the year for me is about business and obviously it's about talking about what we talked about before, which is um, working out this move to Dubai and how that goes. Yeah, I'm saying it's, uh, it's just being planning, being organized and being structured and exactly the same as training nutrition, which obviously you crush. So I'm sure you'll get there with everything like that. So <laughs> I hope uh, so. We'll see. It's, it's a process. And yeah, any questions to shoot. But if anyone wants to find out any more information about you, Joe, where's your YouTube IG? Um, I always forget when people ask me YouTube. I think if you search Brightman Fitness on YouTube, you'll find it. Um, and then IG is just Brightman underscore, as in the word bright and then man and then underscore. Um, they'll be the two most active platforms. Awesome. So I'll make sure we add your links underneath the podcast because you sold yourself terribly badly then. Um, I hope everyone enjoyed the podcast. Make sure you leave us a five-star review and tag uh, myself and Joe in your stories if you enjoy this. And we'll see you in the next episode of The Shredder Show.